Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 366, does it make sense to use the money you would have contributed to a Roth IRA to pay the tax on a Roth conversion instead? Does the IRS really penalize ineligible Roth contributions? How will a mega backdoor Roth contribution be taxed? And will the step transaction doctrine apply? Are family social security benefits affected if the spouse works? Plus, $1,800 a month for life or $2,600 a month for 10 years? Joe and Big Al spitball retirement pension options, and they take your comments. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send your money questions and comments as an email or as a priority voice message. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I think Lee from Jacksonville, Florida, left us a message. Hey, Andy, Joe, and Al. Quick question from Jacksonville, Florida. We have a Roth IRA with 130000 a traditional IRA with 120000 We are currently in the top, near the top of the 22% tax bracket. We've been trying to convert IRA into traditional IRA pieces at a time, about $20,000 a year. But we're getting to the point where we're probably not going to get done by the time the tax hikes occur when they expire in 2026. So our question is, instead of contributing the $12,000 a year to Roth IRAs, $6,000 into my wife's and $6,000 into mine, should we just bite the bullet and convert as much as humanly possible into the Roth IRA from the traditional using the $12,000 for taxes that we would have contributed to the Roth? We could probably complete it in about two years except we would not be contributing to the Roth. We would have just rolled over everything from the traditional. Really appreciate any spitballing you can give. I am currently driving in my silver Tacoma. I'm uh, not drinking because that would be bad. And uh, we have two cats. I uh, emailed before, but I figured I'd give you my voice this time. Lee from Jacksonville, out. Lee. Yeah, nice to hear your voice, Lee. All right. He's cruising around in Tacoma. Thinking right. about converting. So he he wants to use some leverage. Sure. I, I like the strategy, but I don't know if it makes sense. Okay. So what, what, what do you say? Well, a couple of things. What Lee is trying to do is to get all of his money from the traditional IRA to the Roth. So he's got $120,000 in, in his IRA. He's got one thirty in the Roth. And he's like, hey, let me bang this thing out. Let me convert 20 some odd thousand dollars a year. And over the next several years, that 120 is now all going to be in a Roth IRA. I'll pay the tax and we'll be good. I, I like that, but he doesn't necessarily have to convert 100% of the IRA. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So what the strategy he's talking about makes sense for a lot of people, but I don't think it makes sense for Lee. So what Lee wants to do is say, you know what? I'm making Roth IRA contributions. We're making $6,000 contributions per year uh, for, for the spouse and I. So instead of taking that $12,000 that would have went into a, a Roth, maybe we convert $30,000 and we'll have a tax bill of twelve grand. Instead of contributing to the Roth, we'll just take that twelve grand and we pay the IRS to get the $30,000 conversion in the Roth. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't have a calculator. I just kind of totally made that number that's up. Close enough. I mean, maybe it's 40 grand, but that's the, that's the concept, right? So believe it or not, I agree with you. And, and the reason is because 
you don't have to convert everything. I mean, if that's your goal to convert everything, great. But in this example, you got $120,000. I don't know how old you are, Lee, but let's just say, first of all, let's just say you're in your 60s. Lee's not in his 60s. I know, but I'm going to give two answers. Did you hear his voice? No, but I'm going to give two answers because for our (laughs) other listeners. In your 60s, it means that your RMD is relatively close. It's probably going to be no more than five, six thousand dollars for the for a year. So it's not a big number. Now, on the other hand, if you're in your 30s or 40s, which you probably are, then it's going to grow a little bit more. The RMD required minimum distribution when you finally get there will be higher. But you don't have to convert everything because what happens is you're paying uh, by converting, you're paying taxes in a 22 or 24 percent bracket in order to save a 12 or 15 percent bracket later. So that's first of all. The concept, though, I agree with it, which is if you've only got a little bit of money, should you do a Roth contribution or should you use it to pay the tax on the conversion? I actually would prefer the tax on the conversion because then your $12,000 can get thirty dollars or $40,000 converted instead of just the $12,000 going into a Roth. So I, I like the concept. I just don't think the numbers are high enough to justify it. So we're missing a lot of information, Lee. First, um, I think a lot of you just like to give us the IRA numbers, but you might have um, $2 million in a 401k, sure, right? Or there's other retirement accounts or there's pensions or there's other income. So we have to map out the entire scenario for you really to understand. He's kind of looking at it in, in a bubble. Right. It's like, hey, I got $120,000 in this traditional IRA. He might have several other retirement accounts. Um, I don't know. And I don't know if Lee's given us more information in the past, um, but we would have to look at the entire picture. If this is just a picture of only 120 here, the, your distributions, you, I mean, the force out on the distribution is not going to be that bad where it's going to pop you into another tax bracket where, you know, you could slowly do the conversions. You don't have to get hundred percent of it in the Roth. Um, but I like the concept. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Like, let's say, let's say you had two million dollars in a in a four hundred one k, then it would be completely different advice. Then I would say, yeah, it's a great great plan because you're going to want to bleed out as much as you can, and I'd rather have you use the twelve thousand dollars to pay the tax on a conversion than do the contribution. Um. So yeah, I I think for other listeners out there that I mean, our listeners love the Roth. <laughs> well, because we you to. taught them to, Joe. <laughs> And so they want to look at every strategy possible to yeah. leverage the Roth. Sure. And, uh, they, Lee, they, they like tax-free. Yeah, I, I like Lee's point. And I, I think a lot of people probably should be looking at that strategy. So again, instead of taking the $12,000 from cash flow to go into a Roth contribution, let's say that's the only thing that they can afford, right? There's no extra cash flow. That's what they're going to save. That's what they're earmarked for saving up $12,000. Does it make sense for them to convert or to add to their savings? Well, are they on track for their goals? First of all, do they need to use that money to continue to build their nest egg? Well, that's an obvious, right? Sure. But if they're, if they're close and they accomplish their goals, you know, and then they want more diversification, well, then, yeah, then you want to use that or some or part of that to do the overall conversion. Uh, I got Jim writes in. He goes, hello, YMYW. I'll get right to the question to keep Joe's reading to a minimum. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. A, a little bit of a dig. <laughs> I think so. Uh, my brother was unaware of the income limits of contributing to a Roth IRA. Oh, of course, it was your brother. <laughs> always the brother. It's always the brother. Um, 
he is able to recharacterize his 2021 and 2022 contributions. However, he's been making these ineligible contributions for the past 10 years. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Jim, how do you know all this about your brother? They're tight. Super tight. <laughs> They're twins. <laughs> I'm aware of the 6% penalty per year, but I'm curious to the checks and balances of this air since it has gone unnoticed for so long. I heard on other podcasts that I write into and saying that my brother has made it over. (laughs) You didn't write that. Uh, I heard on other podcasts that in reality, he would most likely never have a problem leaving the Roth IRA contribution from the previous 10 years. Thanks for all the info you provide. All right, let's help out Jim's brother here. What would you do? um, What would you do, Alan? Well, let if me. You were Jim. Yeah. Let me, AKA Jim's brother. Yeah. Let me explain what this means. So there are certain income limitations on doing a Roth contribution. So for 2022, it's, I think, 144,000 single. When you get to that income level, you can't do a Roth conversion anymore. Then there's a contribution. Fa- fa- contribution thank you. And, and there's a phase out before that for a married couple. I think it's 215. 14. Yeah. 214, I think. Anyway, so let's say you make more than that and you do a Roth contribution, then what the IRS says is that by October 15th or filing date, you've got to take it out. You've got to recharacterize it. You have to take it out because you weren't allowed to. And if you don't do that, year after year, you have to pay a 6% excise tax. So if it's 10 years, it could be like 60% of the account and it's worse because of compounding potentially, right? So that's the problem. If the IRS comes after you, they're going to say, this is disallowed. We're going to take all this out and you're going to owe us this penalty, which probably in 10 years is going to be at least 60% or about 60% of the value. So that's the risk. So the question is, should you do that? Should you go ahead and pay that? Which sounds painful. Or should you just kind of hope it never comes up? Which is what he's asking because he's heard that on other podcasts. I will answer it this way. You are correct. The IRS does not have a very good checks and balances on this. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. There's a risk that this whole thing could blow up in a few years when the IRS catches up with it. I would say if Jim does the right thing and says, you know what, my brother <laughs> right. was unaware of the yeah. Roth contribution limits, right? Um, income limits, and you know, asks for forgiveness, I would imagine that. <laughs> Some of this could come out without the 6% excise tax. It's, it's possible, right? It's saying, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm coming clean. I'm going to just recharacterize all of these dollars out. I will pay tax on whatever earnings that the Roth IRA has, you know, grew to. And then now the money sits outside. Or you could recharacterize, you know, those 10 years or 60,000 or whatever that the, the, I'm not sure how old Jim's brother is. Um, so, you know, you could recharacterize those back into the IRA, right? And then you'd pay tax on whatever the earnings are. So there's different options here. Sure. Um, or you can just let, let it go and see what happens. See what happens. Start doing it right on a go forward basis. I think that the best answer is to check with your tax professional, whether that's a CPA or whether that's a tax attorney, get their thoughts. They're probably going to tell you to pay the excise tax because that's the right answer. What you should do, we just told you, you've got a couple choices. It's the honor system. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the, the IRS, I will say this, they, they, I've actually never seen them catch this sort of thing, but that doesn't mean they couldn't start. Right. So there, there's that risk. What would you do? Putting me on the spot. <laughs> you would have never gotten it wrong in the first place. I, Cause you would have, I known. would, I would contact my tax professional, Got it. get their advice. <laughs> I'd let it ride. <laughs> I probably would too. Yeah. I would, you know, I would start doing it correctly. Not to go for it. I would re well, I don't know if it recharacterized the last couple of years, but I would stop doing it on a go forward basis yeah. for sure. I mean, at an absolute minimum, but then you're just, you know, you're just taking a chance. Yeah. Some, some people can live with that. Others can't. I don't know how I can sleep, Jim. <laughs> I don't know how I can. I don't know how you go to bed at night. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. It's like, you've made an honest mistake and sure. you could get blown up. Um, and it, but if you come clean, uh, uh, in most cases, you say, you know what? I made a mistake. I didn't know this. Uh, you know, like with RMD, that happens. If you forget to take an RMD or something happened or you had an extra account where you didn't take your, you know, you could file for certain things without the, the huge tax penalties. I mean, right. if you don't take a required distribution, it's a 50% tax penalty. You know, so there's there's exemptions or well, and we exceptions. Do, we do say. know that one. If you don't take your RMD, right, 50% penalty. Typically, the first time that happens to you, you get one pass, and it's not guaranteed, but the IRS very often abates that penalty. But right now, what they're doing is that they're they're filing a 5498 every year, right? Isn't that what that form is? Yeah. To look at, here's the contributions, or here's your IRA balances and everything else. So over the last couple of years, they're getting super tight. They're, on, they're getting tighter uh, where the money is in all of these accounts. And yeah. they're going to cross reference. Okay. Well, you made a Roth contribution or you have money into a Roth and here's where your income lies. Right. It's like, it could, I don't yeah, know. That's right. That's the thing. Can you sleep with, with this right. issue or not? Yeah. And then the auditors are going to come and then they're going to like play the tape. <laughs> And then it's going to be our podcast and all the other podcasts Jim writes into. That's why I didn't want to say what I do. But yeah. anyway, whatever. Well, that's why we said do the right thing and talk, <laughs> talk to your uh, CPA. And, um, you know, of course, Al and I are, would always do the right thing. Um, ahead of time. We would never make this mistake. The, yeah, we know about the rule. All right. Thanks for the question, Jim. Learn all about how Roth contributions and conversions give you tax-free growth on your investments for life. Download the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And subscribe to the YMYW newsletter there in the show notes as well, so the latest podcast and TV episodes show up right in your inbox. Your Money, Your Wealth TV Season 8 starts this Sunday with a retirement disconnect. Sometimes when planning for retirement, what you are doing and what you should be doing don't don't match. Joe and Big Al will show you how to reconnect that plan so that your retirement picture comes together as it should. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to download the Ultimate Guide to Roth IRAs, read the transcript of today's episode, and subscribe to the YMYW newsletter. It's all free, all courtesy of your money, your wealth, and pure financial advisors. Share this stuff and help us spread the YMYW word, won't you please? We got Juan from Illinois. That's Juan, right? Or Yuan. Yuan? Yuan? Yuan. Any opinion now? Um, yeah, Juan, I would say probably. Y U A N. Okay. Yeah. It's usually J, but I'm yeah. Like, all right. Hi, Alan. Joe, love your show. It's entertaining and educational all at once. I learn a lot. 
Thank you. I have a couple of questions about a rollover after tax 401k to IRAs. Okay, a little background information. Have Roth IRA and traditional IRA. Traditional IRA has zero balance. 401k plan at work, pre-tax 401k, Roth 401k, after tax 401k. It's got about a $20,000 contribution, $50,000 gain, can no longer contribute to the after-tax component of his 401k plan. What I would like to do is roll over the $20,000 non-taxable contribution to the Roth IRA and the 50k taxable gain to the IRA. Well, of course he would there, one. Number two, roll over the IRA back into my pre-tax 401k before year end. This is because I did the backdoor Roth conversion in January, 2022, okay? My 401k plan allows the above in-service rollover. My questions, will it result in any tax? Should I be concerned with step transaction? Oh, look at the yeah, doctrine. The doctrine of the <laughs> steps. Uh, looking forward to listening to you on the podcast. Thank you in advance for your advice. Juan, we don't give advice here. That's one thing we do not do. We spitball. We, we, ch- we chat. We chat is right. It's about it. We give our thoughts off the cuff. Yeah. Advice is something completely different that you should pay a professional for. True. Not right in half-assed questions to a bunch of knuckleheads. (laughs) This is not advice whatsoever. Okay. So what should he do or she do? Yeah. Well, let's see. I'd like to roll over 20,000 non-taxable contribution to a Roth from the 401k and 50,000 to an IRA. Because it's $70,000, right? So she's made or or Juan has made contributions of $20,000. $20,000. It's sure. worth 70. Sure. They, they want to split it. It was like, well, here, I just want to put $20,000 of the after tax in the Roth. And then the 50,000 going to put it in an IRA and yeah. I'm going to avoid the tax. Yeah. So that works. I don't think it does. You that, don't? No way. Why not? Because the, the $50,000 of gain came from that $20,000. Remember before you had to do all these kind of hoops that's why you've got to convert the after-tax right away because if you have any gain, it's going to be taxed. So what I would do if I were one. So I, I read that differently. May, I was thinking it was a after-tax contribution, but I guess he says non-taxable contribution. It was an after-tax contribution, but he never converted the after-tax contribution. The after-tax contribution has grown now yeah, to yeah, 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, okay. I was thinking... But is this a 401k or an IRA? It doesn't say. After tax, 401k, 20k contribution, 50k, no longer contribute to this. So you're saying he could take the $20,000 of after tax, even though that $20,000 grew to 70. Not in an IRA, in a 401k. And so you could separate the the contribution and the growth and say, here's the contribution, put it into the Roth and the $50,000, move it into. In a 401k, the after tax contribution, you could put that into a Roth IRA. The growth has to go into a regular IRA. Okay. I'll buy that. Okay. That's where I was coming from. Got it. Okay. And so he just gets two checks and put the 20K into the Roth, 50K in, and then he wants to roll the 50K back into the 401K because he did a backdoor Roth. Sure. And then when the backdoor Roth um, is going to mess up his pro rata rules. Sure. I think he can do that as well. Me too, as long as it's done by year end. 
Because it's the it's your IRA balances at year end that count for the backdoor Roth calculation. The only biggest issue here is that they changed the rules, <laughs> which is on the docket, right? Well, so that they backdoor Roths. I know, but, you know the the mega. Bo- I mean, so what he's trying to do is the mega backdoor. Yeah, true. So he's got the twenty thousand of after tax that he never converted. So he's like, okay, well, here, can I move that $20,000 again? The 50000 of gain. I mean, when did he do this backdoor Roth? I mean, when did he do the after tax, I wonder? Or why? Well, I don't know. But the, but the, well, when did Juan? I thought the law didn't change because it didn't pass. No, no, no. I, I, no I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I just read something with um, Mr. Slot of saying I would wait. You'd be- wait because it may change. It may change. And it may go retroactive. Yes. That could be. But Tim? I don't think it's going to step transaction. I don't think so. Because they're I, already allowing the, the back door, unless they change the law, then yeah, then you have to, gonna, have I, to I agree unwind with that. everything. I wouldn't worry about the step transaction. My guess is if they change the law, it'll be for next year, but Who you knows? never know, right? Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Luis. Hello, Joe, Big Al, Andy. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. It's my favorite financial podcast as it's just the right mix of reliable information and humor. Um, I'd greatly appreciate your insights on my financial situation for purposes of identification. Um, I'm partial to, oh, here we go, 805 Ale Beer. I drive a Tesla Model Y. I'm 65 years old, married, and recently retired. I have significant RMD starting at 72 based on a projected $2 million in IRAs at 72. Currently about uh, $1.3 million and 80%. Uh, 20% stock bond mix. Hold on. Uh, oh, it's projected 2 million in IRAs at 72. Currently about $1.3 million, 80, 20 stock bond mix. I'm planning to start yearly Roth conversions in 2022 until age 72, sticking about 75 to $100,000 a year to at least the top of the 22% tax bracket of my taxable income of about 90000 uh, my yearly expense will be 140000 My pension will provide $80,000 of yearly income. I plan to receive my Social Security payments of about $2,400 a month at FRA. I will start taking monthly annuity payments from a deferred annuity in January 2022, which, when added to my pension and Social Security, should cover most of my expenses. I have two options for receiving monthly annuity payments. One option is to take the lifetime monthly payment of 800 Uh, $1,800 a month. The second option is to take $2,600 a month for 10 years. So that's a little 10 year certain. So Luis would get $2,600 guaranteed uh, until he turns 75, if he took it at 65. Um, I am leaning towards the uh, second option because it gives me more income over the next eight years when I plan to be more active before I start taking RMBs at 72. Choosing the second option uh, would leave me with no annuity payments after the age 74 so that I would have less income at the same time that I would be taking RMDs and therefore reduce my tax bite. Then if I opt for lifetime annuity payments, I would appreciate your perspective on which annuity option would make the most sense. Also, Uh, Whether based on my circumstances, you might feel that taking Social Security at a different point than FRA would be more advisable. Thank you for considering my question and for all your contributions to financial literacy. Regards, 
Luis. Yeah, very nice. Uh, formal closing. Yeah, very formal. Yards. <laughs> <laughs> Do you normally say that in your letter? No. When you write an he's, email? He's very formal. It's Luis. Yeah. What yeah. I like it. I love it. Um, okay. I, I would do, I would not do his plan. What would you, what would you do? Um, I need to know a little bit more about <laughs> these annuity options. Is he buying, is he taking a lump sum and is he buying a fixed, um, uh, or is it a, a variable annuity that has a guaranteed income on it? Is he buying an immediate annuity? I'm not sure what that is. Um, or is it, uh, an annuity payment from his employer? Right. Um, that, that's what I'm assuming. So but... it, let's just assume that if it's from his employer. Yeah. Make, it makes this easier to answer. Because if it was a commercial annuity, I would not probably advise right. that route. Right. Um, because what he's doing, he's, he's adding more income on his tax return than potentially he needs to. Right. And all that does is just create a little bit more tax by being locked into a certain rate. I get I like guarantees. And so if you sure. like the guarantees and you want the guarantees, by all means, take the guarantees. But is there a better way to do this? Maybe to preserve more capital, pay less in taxes. Um, the answer could be yes, maybe yes. Right. I would push out Social Security as long as I could. Yeah. Because then that's going to increase your guarantee at age 70. Right, so you get that seven percent delayed retirement credit each year that you wait after your full retirement age. You have plenty of assets. You have you're going to have a couple of million dollars sitting in retirement accounts, and you're you're worried about the RMD that's going to create a lot more tax on you. So you're thinking about this conversion strategy of converting, you know, four five hundred thousand dollars over the next several years, and, and you'll end up paying roughly about a hundred thousand dollars in tax, but it could pay more than that because you're you're adding more income on the tax return. You want to reduce the amount of income as much as possible on your tax return as you're doing a conversion strategy. So you wouldn't want to lock in a high annuity payment if you could you know, push that out to a later date as you're converting. Yeah, so that's a good point. So in other words, if you're trying to get as much converted as possible, then you'd actually want to take the lower annuity payment just so you have less income so you can convert more. I actually ran a little math on this, Joe, and, and this would be at a 6% discount rate, which basically means 6% would be your, your, your earnings rate, right? Just if you make that assumption. So okay. you, if, yeah. If you... so, so in other words, a, a 10 year uh, certain period works out to about $234,000 present value. In other words, that, that's, that's just a reference point. It doesn't really mean much. That's just the number. And if you, if you do the $1,800 a month, it takes about 18 years to equal the 234,000. So in other words, then if you just do straight math, if you're going to live more than 18 years, you, you're better off taking the, the lifetime at $1,800 a month. If you're going to live less than 18, if you're just looking at this in a bubble, then, then you would take the 10 year. Now, when you add on Roth conversions to the top of this, I, I would agree because it's an $800 difference in payment. Right. And so that's about $10,000. If you took the lower payment, you could do a $10,000 additional Roth conversion uh, each year and stay in that lower bracket until you get to RMDs. I do also like the idea of pushing out Social Security. Um, but we don't have all the facts, Louise, but at least based upon what you told us, that's probably what I would do. I would, I would, pro I would, I would take a look at, um, 
what, what I felt my life expectancy was. I'm, I'm actually personally fine with the $2,600 for 10 years. Uh, if, if you need it, if you want to live it up and spend it. But Louis is very similar to a lot of people as they approach retirement, because you're giving up a guarantee or not a guarantee. You're giving up a paycheck, right? You and I receive paychecks from our organization. We're used to receiving, you know, a direct sure. deposit of cash into our checking account each and every, you know, biweekly or monthly. And then when people retire, they want, they want to replicate that as much as they can. Right. So it's like, OK, well, let me take that's why so many people take Social Security so early, because then they feel a, a little sense of security, no pun intended there, that they get that that payment, you know, that they get some cash flow into their checking account. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe I, I, I convert this to an annuity and I get this guaranteed income flow. So if the world goes to hell in the handbasket, at least I have a certain fixed income that I can know that I can live off. Of, yeah. Which is perfectly fine. That is a great strategy if you have that risk aversion. But then if I look at his portfolio, he's 80% stocks. What are you, I mean, you just retired, right? So he wants to be, I mean, he's got his head in, uh, no offense, Luis, you've got your head in the freezer, right? And your feet in the oven, and you're trying to stay warm. You know, you're, you're taking all these guarantees on one side, and you're taking on tremendous risk with your liquid assets on the other side. I think you just want to maybe take a look in one different scenarios just to figure out exactly what he should be doing. Um, if he does this strategy that he proposed i think he'd be successful but what's the overall goals what are you really trying is there better ways to tweak this i think the answer is yes which pension option works best in your specific financial situation is a roth conversion or a backdoor or mega backdoor roth conversion right for your plans for retirement when and how should you claim social security you can make these decisions on your own but if you make the wrong choices it could mean throwing away money for years to come Go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click get an assessment to schedule a free financial assessment with one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. Pure Financial is a fee-only financial planning firm and they're a fiduciary. This means they won't sell you investment products and by law, they must act in the best interests of their clients. Get a professional assessment of your entire financial picture and get the help making those decisions that have such a huge impact on your retirement future. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, then click get an assessment to schedule your one-on-one -on -one video meeting at a time and date that works for you. All right. We got Edward uh, from Virginia. He's got a little follow-up question. Okay. He goes, Hey, Joe and Al, uh, this is a follow -up from my question on uh, 348. A little delayed on the answer. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, Social Security question had to do with me collecting Social Security early so that my younger wife and younger son can collect family benefits up to the family max. A question I forgot to ask. Uh, will my wife's Social Security benefit she receives for caring for our young son and me collecting Social Security be impact if she were to work full-time and earn over $20,000? I know Social Security has rules for me, earnings more then a set them out before social security payments are reduced temporarily. But does that same rule apply to my wife collecting family benefit for caring for our minor child? Uh, thanks as always for your wisdom and insight. I will toast both with a little something, something <laughs> Longanitas, right? Yeah. So let's, let's kind of break this thing down just a little bit more. So he's collecting social security benefits. But then he also has a family benefit. So he has a younger wife and a young son 
Sure. That can collect as soon as he starts collecting his benefit. Right. So is if he collects benefit, it turns on this whole smorgasbord yeah. of benefits for the po- family. Possibility <laughs> of other benefits if if your 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 kids and or your wife it qualifies. And so and there's two kinds of child benefits. There's the child benefit, which is when your child is um, I think under 18, I think is is the is the age. And it goes further if they're disabled. So that's a whole nother topic. And but there's also a child in care benefit for the spouse. In other words, a spouse that's that's not working or working very little can take care of the child and receive child in care benefits, which are in addition to the child benefits that the child gets. And then there's a family maximum, right? That you kind of add up all of the different benefits and there's a certain max that the whole family can receive. Correct. Because Edward, um, I remember answering this question is that he's a little bit older and his wife is a lot younger than him. And he has a very young child. Right. So he is in his sixties and he's got like a five-year-old. Right. Right. (laughs) And I think the child in care benefit, I think they have to be 16 or younger, or maybe it's under 16, but something like that. And it doesn't come up very often. Not very often, yeah. Right, and I think we're going to see it come up a lot more often. I do too. Because people kind of push out marriage, and they yeah. push out having kids, and then right, uh, bada boom, bada bing, you're in your <laughs> 60s, and... <laughs> and you got a young child. Yeah, there you go. Right. But unfortunately, so what he's asking is that there's this rule. So if you claim benefits early, um, so if you claim benefits on your full retirement age, there really is no reduction of benefits. If you claim your benefit early, so from 62 to 66 and six months or whatever your full retirement date is, is that there's going to be a benefit reduction depending on how much money that you make. Right. And there's different thresholds depending on when your birthday is. So the year you turn your full retirement age, right, there's a certain dollar amount that you can make. I believe it's like 50 some odd thousand dollars. 51960 Okay, $52,000. <laughs> you make more than that. Every $3 that you earn, they take a buck back. Right. Uh, prior to the age of your full retirement age, if you make more than, uh, what is it? Oh, uh, well, it's 20000 Okay. And uh, 19560 19, So if you make more than 20000 every $2 that you earn, they take a buck back. Right. It, it really, what happens is that the... If you make, I don't know, I forget what the the, the crossover is, but if they make, let's say, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, the benefit basically goes to zero. It goes away, right? Right. But it doesn't. It's not like they're taking your money away. They just assume that you didn't claim it, and then you're going to receive a higher benefit the following year, depending on what your income is. See, that's a good point. I I don't think people realize is is if you exceed the earnings for the earnings test, and you have some some of your benefits taken away, you will get them back later when you actually can receive your full benefits. Right. Because if you take it at 62, let's say your full retirement age is 66, you take it at 62, you get a 25% reduced benefit. Right. So if your benefit is $1,000, you take it at 62, your benefit is 750 bucks. But all of a sudden, if you're making earnings and you make more than the earnings test that wipes that out, you're they're going to be like, well, you shouldn't have claimed. You made too much money. Right. So they're going to take that money back and then let's say the following year that you don't have any earned income, they're just going to assume that you claimed that at 63. So instead of a 25% reduced haircut, you're going to have a 23% reduced haircut. I mean, re- reduced <laughs> yeah, benefit. Call it 18 and a half. Something like that. Right? <laughs> Give, or take. Give or take. <laughs> but the issue 
that happens is that when people do that, they get the benefit because the Social Security Administration has no clue how much money that you're making until you file your tax return. Yeah, when the year's already over. Right, so they're going to pay you. Right. And then next year, you're not working and you're looking for that Social Security check. Guess what? It's not going to come. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So they're going to say, okay, even though you qualify for the benefit because you're not working and you are not subject to the earnings test, we gave you the money last year, so we're going to get trued up before any more dollars from Social Security is going to come to you. Right. So he's asking, does those same rule applies for my young spouse that is Correct. taking care of my child if she is making more than $20,000? And uh, we believe that the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. So so the earnings test does apply. There, There's a lot of differences, though. But in, So this is a spousal benefit. It's different from a normal spouse, spousal benefit. In other words, when you when you turn 62 and you're receiving a spousal benefit, if you elect to claim it, your other spouse is claiming benefits and you get you're getting half of their full retirement age discounted for the fact that you're starting it early, then it's then you essentially are getting a lesser benefit yourself for life. But in this case, the spousal benefit for child and care doesn't impact your benefits at all whatsoever. That was pretty hard to follow. I know. It's, I, I didn't even understand it. I was saying it. <laughs> it's like, Dude, it looked like who, you had like a mini stroke. Who is <laughs> you who were is, kind of thinking about that? Uh, well, let's who, see. You it's like, it's like, first? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go down a path and you go, I shouldn't really have done that. <laughs> And it's too late. It's way too late. <laughs> it's on the spousal benefit. Of blah, 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 blah. I had to, I had to go way outside the box to get back to the box. <laughs> yes, I'm aware that that didn't make any sense. So you translated. You took a U-turn, but that just stayed at 360. So the spousal benefit on Social Security. Yeah, let's see you do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to explain what the spousal benefit is. And I we're tried. Just, oh, gosh. All right. So if you're married and you have a spouse, the spouse can claim 50% of your benefit as long as you're claiming your benefit. As long as they're 62 it, or older. Well, if they claim <laughs> their spousal benefit, which is 50% of your benefit or um, theirs, if they claim it early at 62, they're going to receive a reduced benefit. It's not going to be yeah. 50% of the spouse. It's going to be something significantly yeah. less. It's about 33%. So that's what I said. Roll the tape back. Yes. <laughs> However, <laughs> the reduction of benefit for spousal benefit does not apply to the child and care spousal benefit. Yes, that's true, which is also what I said. Thank you. Anyway, so maybe the two times we said it, someone might have a chance. Yeah, I mean, of the <laughs> half a percent of the population that even <laughs> that applies to. to. I mean, there's Edward in Virginia, and I think there's like Tommy in um, Wisconsin. Uh, those are the only two that the only two that we know. Yeah, in um, Donald T in in DC. Yeah, we do know about that one. <laughs> uh, he's got a young kid, Saginaw. 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 Saginaw, Michigan, I guess. Your Jane writes in. Hi, I appreciate all of the great information you put out on your podcast. I would like to have YMYW look over my finances and give a suggestion. Well, that's what we do on the podcast, Jane. Sure. Saginaw. I want Al to do it. <laughs> Not you. What's Al, what's Al to do? Wow. She's a little partial to, to big Al. Um, I believe he is the most knowledgeable tax planner I've ever listened to or hired. Wow. 
I'm, she is she hired I mean, you? No, she's but... got a little secret man crush on Big Al. <laughs> but it sounds like maybe she wants to. Oh, Joe is awesome at investments. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not awesome at investments. Actually, you're very good at financial planning strategies. Yes. I'm not very good at investments. And would appreciate his input as well. You want my input on investments? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, explain a stable value fund, please. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a fund that is stable. Okay. Uh, right, um, and, and it's valuable. It, it, well, you know, the value <laughs> is stable. Be. Yeah. Right. Uh, the value of it is pretty stable. Yeah. So, okay. um, I imagine you hire great advisors, but honestly, I would fly to California if I could enlist Al and Joe's help personally. Is that a possibility? Uh, absolutely not, Jane. Sorry. Uh, thanks, Andy, for keeping the show moving. You all are fantastic. P.S. I like pomegranate juice. Pomegranate. Pomegranate. What pomegranate? It's like a red kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a, a fruit it's, with a whole bunch of seeds in it. Yes. And do not get those on your white shirt. You just have to toss it. <laughs> it sounds like it's speaking it. from experience. Oh, oh yeah. It's happened, huh? It's happened. Uh, P.S. I like pomegranate juice with pear absolute for my cocktail. And all day IPA or Miller Lite beer. Okay. No okay. drinks until February. I'm doing the dry January challenge. Oh, are you doing that? Or did you do that? Well, it's in February now. Did I do the dry Jan January yeah. challenge? Yeah. Uh, Were you talking about that? Yeah. I, I made it three days. <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do it. Didn't, didn't do it. No. I didn't even know about it. Well, Otherwise, I think it's every year. I mean, I guess when you blow out the, the, yeah, the holidays. Sure, with the New Year's Eve. <laughs> I guess. The, I don't know. Some people just go on a couple week bender. The, and, the party for all parties. Yes. Yeah. I mean, your Christmas party after Christmas party. Oh, after yeah. Christmas right, party, you right. know. Um, and then the family comes over. Then, then you drink more. Yeah. Um, then it's like, okay, I'm shutting this thing down for at least a, <laughs> for a month. Uh, for a month. I'm going to go to the gym. Yep. Not drink. Yep. Going to eat well. Um. No, I didn't do that. Um, okay. I don't, you know, I, I don't drink during the week. It's just no, you're pretty on the good. Weekends. Yeah. Because I get up fairly early. If I even have one beer during the week, I would kind of, I don't know, the next day. Just, off, huh? It does. Yeah, I think yeah. it would. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you like okay. to stay sharp. Yeah. Not like you, Big Al, where you just get <laughs> those IPAs going during your lunch hour. <laughs> Actually, uh, that's not true. Um, I, but I do, I might have like a Coors Light each day. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I can, I've learned this about myself. I can handle maybe one IPA on a weekend day is about it. Then if I have two, I get, I get a headache. Yeah. Well, how about that one time when oh. you, had, you couldn't even do the radio show live when we were doing it live yeah. back? In the I had day. four of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was my 50th birthday, which seems like just yesterday, but it was a little while ago. And uh, yeah, I didn't feel that well, did I? Ugh, yeah, it's like, oh, you got to do the you, show by you yourself. Gotta, so, you can you find get, a sub. Get someone else. <laughs> you got to buy, <laughs> got to find a sub. Well, uh, I remember that one time we in the studio, you you told me, uh, <laughs> you grabbed the trash can and you said, you're going to have to carry the show because <laughs> I may not make it. <laughs> and that was live radio back then. That was live. Remember, but, remember that? Yes, I do. You you held it together. Though. I did. I did. I, yeah. I was totally fine. Yeah. Um, I just had a little flu bug. Was... <laughs> a little, little flu from the, uh, yeah, the from the bottle. Huh? No. Oh no. Um, 
from <laughs> just there was <laughs> there was some bugs bugs in that beer oh uh, okay we got simonetti God, it's getting... simonetti 1962 yeah i'm so good <laughs> I'm, i mean like a year ago there's no way i could have pronounced that. yeah you're 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 killing it yeah Sangana. i mean I, i'm totally making that <laughs> uh, love the podcast show al and andy are the perfect team and deliver great content in a light of humor style this is a little review we got yeah um, okay, so we cool. finally got a positive one so a little, <laughs> little five-star <laughs> banger here so we appreciate Sweet. that singing that seminetti um yeah usually it's a you know one star and you yeah, the, suck, but. yeah the, get you get a thing each week from the ninja yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like when are you gonna go off the air Folks, this show's not a show without your money questions, so keep them coming each and every week. We really appreciate you writing us. Um, I, I don't know how you continue to do this, because I just butcher names. <laughs> I make fun of the questions themselves. Um, you guys barely give us any information to go off of, uh, but we love each and every question, so keep them coming, because this show, we will stop the show if you stop the questions. Um, so bring them in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Uh, show's called Your Money Well. We got little something, something, Luis, Tesla, and what we're watching in the derails at the end of the episode today. So stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call us at 888-994-6257 and schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time that works best for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Longanitas, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. It's an IPA. Yeah. I have some in my um, garage fridge that someone brought that you're never going to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, people love that stuff. I mean, every time you have a couple people over, they bring this log and eat this. Yeah, it's it's popular here in Southern California. Apparently in Virginia, too. Yeah. Where's, um, I thought it was like a California brew. Oh, wait, there actually is one that's called Little Something Something. Made by Lagunitas. Oh, no. That's actually a, a brand That's of a... Lagunitas. Okay. <laughs> All right, a little something, something. Is it an IPA or is it something else? <laughs> it's a little something, some actually, a little something, something is an ale. Oh, okay. So stand corrected. Yeah. I've had the Lagunitas IPA. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people have that. <laughs> I ain't got a ton of it in my fridge. So if you ever want to I'll stop one, by, stop by. Yeah, yeah, okay. Pop, pop on by. Where's that, Lewis? I would go with Luis personally, but no, you, you like to have a little little flair. Yeah, I like that. to try and do it the way that people would actually pronounce their own names. L U I S. Is that Luis or Luis? I'd say Luis, but I like Luis. I think that's cool. All right. I mean, if I spelled my name L U I S, I would definitely go by Luis. Luis. Yeah. Well, it, Luis would be L O U I S. 
No, that's L E W I S. Oh yeah, that right. would also be Lewis. Both of those would be pronounced. Oh, U I S could be Lewis too. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I'm changing my mind. I like Louise. Okay, Louise. You know, I got a ride in a Tesla. That was my first time ever in a Tesla. Yeah, my brother just bought one like a month ago. I got a ride over Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, you, that was my first ride too. Did you like it? Loved it. Are you thinking about getting one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to save the planet. <laughs> One car, one car at a time. Yep. Oh boy. Is it like the most exciting thing about the Tesla that as it turns corners, you can make it fart or something? Well, Um, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, that is is one of the the the, apparently one of the selling points of the Tesla. Brother, brother Todd was that was the first feature he showed me. Yep. Feature you can pick whatever seat and the sound you want it to be. Oh wow. Never heard of that. I didn't get that experience. It didn't, I did not get that. Maybe experience. it's an older model. Got it. Um, That's an upgrade. Got it. <laughs> you have to pay extra. You watching anything? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we watched. Uh, let's see. This is us. You heard of that? Oh, Sit there and quiet. Well, I'll tell you what. So we just started it, and honestly, the first three or four episodes I thought were pretty good, and now I'm through eight episodes, and I think I'm done. You're binging. I mean, well, eight episodes in a night? No, no, not a night. <laughs> Maybe one. But anyway, I did watch one last night, and I'm thinking, I don't need to see this. Well, it's, it, it was a, it's, I, I've it, never seen it. It's, it's, it's getting, um, it's just like a contentious family. Oh. It's like, all right, I don't need to see that. I'm just like, I like Hall- Hallmark. Hallmark. <laughs> Where's the Hallmark channel? Oh, that's your, that's your wife. Huh? That's, yeah, yeah, that's right. I try to. Trying to be a happy guy. You are a very happy man. I appreciate that. Uh, have you seen that? Did, did I talk about this dope stick? You seen that? Andy, no, have you seen it? Don't know that. No, no? I don't know that Pretty one. Good. That's with Michael Keaton about the opioid um, crisis. Okay. Yeah, I would. Um, Is that a that's a show or it's, a it's, documentary? Yeah, like eight eight episode kind okay. of. Okay. You know how they they don't make movies anymore. They just do like eight episode Netflix series or right, Hulu right. or sure. You know, Got the, do you have the Hula, um, Andy? Uh, no. Hula? No, I was going to ask you guys if either of you have seen Get Back, the Beatles yeah. documentary. No, I did see that huh. advertised, but I have not seen that. That, that I would enjoy, so I will watch that. Well, yeah. uh, you have to prepare yourself. It's like seven and a half hours long. But if you're a Beatles fan, it's totally worth it. Just oh, yeah. to see just to see Paul McCartney come up with the song Get Back out of nowhere to, to watch it happen in real time is just stunning. He's clearly a genius. So okay. there you go. That's my review of Get Back. That's the, okay. That's one I could watch. I'm not going to sit and watch it all at one time. Yeah, I can, no. I can, I can make about an hour. There you go. Yep, yep. That's, a, that's a hard pass. <laughs> There's no murders and mystery. Yeah, and we kind of like Shooting. It. Yes. Well, spoiler, George does leave the band briefly, so <laughs> that might be exciting for you. Yes. <laughs> 